What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here with Dear Miss Fantasy. For week 10, we are the official mailbag show for Player Profiler. I, I feel like we got a break from the craziness that we've been having in week 10. Like, there wasn't any of those massive league-altering injuries or changes or anything like that. We did have the big Daniel Jones injury, which is horrible from him. It's horrible for him. But from a fantasy perspective, I think that anyone that did roster him had already bailed out, already made contingency plans. So outside of Superflex, it really doesn't have a massive impact. The Broncos or the Giants were struggling as a whole. So there really wasn't anyone that we were rostering outside of Saquon. We were holding out hope for Waller. I know I was in particular. I have been very vocal about that. But now he is gone for at least four games. So at least now we can sit him and not feel guilty about it because I was rolling him out. I was rolling him out, crossing my fingers. If he was out there and he was going to be healthy, I was rolling him out. But now I don't have to do that because he is out on IR. So really, the woes just kind of centered around the Giants here. We also had Dallas Goddard. We will get to that later. But outside of that, nothing universe altering. So we are going to start off the show on a positive note. Also, by the way, we are getting very close to trade deadlines here. So we're going to talk about trade questions on this show. The mailbag portion of the show is going to feature trade questions. So it's going to be fun. So stick around. Um, and if you've got any trade questions, uh, drop them after the video um, finishes up, drop them into the comments and I will straight up like 100% answer them on the video. I promise. Um, so yeah, yeah, go do that. Now I'm going to start us off with the hot topics here. And if you saw the thumbnail, my hot topic of the week is around the Baltimore Ravens. I could have gone in other directions because there were some, I could have gone the CJ Stroud route. I'll talk about him, but I could have gone that route for my hot topic of the week. But I felt like everyone was going that route. I could have gone the Dobbs route, um, Josh Dobbs route, talking about um, his truly epic performance, right? That was just really just, not just heartwarming. Like, I don't know if you saw the video of him um, at the end of the game. He's sitting there on the bench by himself. And then the game's officially over. And his head just like, you know, you just see like that, like, I did it. I did it kind of reaction from him from behind. You can't even see the face, but you just kind of felt the emotion there. And all the teammates come up and they're, they're shaking his hand and congratulating him. And I'm a Packers fan, but honestly, that just made me feel like you just, if you didn't feel something from that, I worry about you. Um, truly heartwarming. Good for him. I'm still on board with, he has to get a, um, he has to get a Jersey that represents all of the teams that he has been on this season. So as we've got Cleveland, we've got um, uh, Arizona, and now we've got Minnesota. I want the combination Jersey for him because this is like, this is the ultimate journey man experience right here. So good for him. Good for him. But we're going to dive into my hot topic first. Um, the Baltimore Ravens. I wanted to choose it because <laughs> From a fantasy perspective, it's cool, right? But from a real football perspective, it's also pretty incredible. The Ravens, earlier in the season, they were going through some struggles, right? Things just weren't seeming like they were clicking. Um, obviously, you know, Zay Flowers popped early, but anytime you have a rookie that uh, is, you know, the focal point, the secondary focal point, we've got Mark Andrews as well, but um, the secondary focal point 
of your offense. Things, you know, can take some time trying to figure out how they shake out. And we had the new offensive coordinator, new system coming in from Todd Bonkin. So I feel like it just took the Ravens a second to find themselves. And they have looked so put together as a whole recently. Very impressive. And I look at this Ravens team. I'm seeing a team that could finally be over that hump where they're a true Super Bowl contender. I know it feels weird saying that. Maybe it's bullish kind of making that level of a leap. But this is the first time where I'm looking at this and Lamar Jackson doesn't have to play hero ball. And from a fantasy perspective, that's what we want to talk about because Lamar Jackson playing hero ball has really been what has driven his fantasy production over the years. Um, that high upside that he has offered on the ground and being able to get the touchdowns through the air. Those are the things that have really carried him forward. But in this game here, in the absolute um, demolishing of Seattle, 37 to three, it just, I mean, it's just embarrassing in a way you can't really describe. But um, he had a very good game. He was efficient. 21 completions on 26 attempts, 187 yards. He's still running the ball. This is not, Lamar Jackson is not just saying I'm protecting myself and I've got the contract and I don't want to go out there and get hurt. That's not, that's not the case. He's still running the ball and active, but he's not getting those touchdowns on the ground. So we're looking at this and it's like the, the offense is gelling, it's rolling, but it has been since week seven. Yeah. Um, week seven since we last saw a touchdown. And then over the past five games, he has only had one rushing touchdown. So it feels a little uncomfortable because now we're getting this kind of helter skelter um, up and down from Lamar Jackson, depending on the matchup. If it's a situation where he can blow out a team or they can rely on the run game, they're not having to push him aggressively. He's able to be this very efficient, effective quarterback. And you love to see it from a real football perspective, but from a fantasy football perspective, you know, you get a little bit worried, but I am here to assure you, to reassure you, don't panic over Lamar Jackson. Um, I do think that better days are ahead because ideally, you know, we've got two matchups here, particularly this one um, this week against Cleveland and then Cincinnati as well that are not super duper run friendly, right? Especially not Cleveland, even though we did see last week, they were vulnerable, but overall the Ravens are still going to run the ball, but I think we might get into these situations where we're going to see some more pass volume in week 12. They got the LA chargers and, L.A., you know, again, it will be a defensive struggle for um, L.A. to overcome the Ravens defense, which has been performing very well. But their strong offense can put up that volume and we'll might, we might have to see more volume from Lamar Jackson. So I think moving forward, we've got good matchups here. I like the matchups for him in the fantasy playoffs. He's got Jacksonville, San Francisco, Miami. Those are past volume opportunities. So don't, don't get worried or concerned here that we've had two dud weeks in a row here from Lamar Jackson. It's been frustrating for me because I'm um I was gung-ho all in on Lamar Jackson. I was very, very, I don't want to say early, super early QB, but I liked getting me a nice um, Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Those were the two that I really leaned into this year. So I've got a ton of Lamar. But I do think that, you know, those 
those 25 plus point fantasy performances are right around the corner. So don't panic. But I do feel like we also have to talk about the running backs as well, because we've got officially now um, Harbaugh came out and said, this is officially a three man committee. All the running backs are going to get worked in here. We have Keaton Mitchell coming off this huge game. He was not the leader in terms of snaps and carries and definitely um, no, they were tied in targets, but um, he's typically not been the, probably not the one they're going to lean on as a receiving back, but nine carries 138 yards, one touchdown. I mean, what a breakout performance from him. Now, Seattle's defense has been fairly stout overall, so it was good to see this level of performance and the Ravens' run game still thriving. Gus Edwards still had an excellent game, only five carries, 52 yards, two touchdowns. He's got that um, He's got the goal line role really solidified here. Then we've also got Justice Hill, who 13 carries, was the leader in carries, 13 carries, 40 yards, no receptions, but typically he does have that receiving work. But the key here is that I really wanted to point out here, because I put out, um, you know me, I put out a stupid amount of content, right? Um, so um, I put out uh, multiple wave. I have like a top 10 waiver wire video, uh, my three favorite waiver wire picks, um, a waiver wire live waiver wire show uh, with Bleacher Report. So um, waiver wire friendly. Like if you beginning of the week before the show, if you like watching the show and you want more of me catching me in the beginning of the week and my waiver wire content is my real groove. Um, so you can, Check me out um, on there as well. Um, all through Twitter is the best place to find it. Um, but I got a lot of interesting feedback around Keaton Mitchell because he was my number two um, waiver wire ad this week. And technically speaking, number one, because number one um, was Zach Charbonnet, just because he was just barely below um, 50% rostered in both ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Typically, I don't like to have someone that's in those upper 40 areas, but because he was under 50% rostered in both of those, I did make him my number one waiver wire ad. But if you're ignoring the that he's already rostered in your leagues, then Keaton Mitchell was the number one waiver wire ad for me. And I got a lot of, you know, pushback a little bit on that because people were saying this is a this is a committee. Why do I want to back in a committee? Um, Three headed monster, not going to get the goal line work. I mean, this the upside is limited here, but waivers have passed. So this is not a this is not a ad. Keaton Mitchell. Well, waivers have not passed for everyone. Maybe you've got Thursday waivers. I've got a couple of leagues. So maybe this applies to you. But this is not about adding and justifying adding Keaton Mitchell on waivers. It's about the trust level that we can have in him and realistic expectation for, expectations for the rest of the season. So looking at Keaton Mitchell, I am not wanting to make a direct comp to Devin Achan because uh, they're two different players, right? But theoretically, Theoretically, I do believe this is kind of along a similar line. And they're two very different offenses, but just kind of go with me here. We didn't use that same, and technically speaking, some people did. Um, we're a little bit skeptical of going all in on Devin HN with Fab and whatnot. And just like, you know, are we starting him? How confident are we feeling? It's a committee. We've got, I had so many people telling me, you know, well, Jeff Wilson's going to come back. And I was just like, guys, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> like, you got to stop prioritizing these 
these elderly backs. Um, and I don't even mean mean that in a way, in a mean way. I'm I'm a lot older than Jeff Wilson um in non-football years, but in football years, I think I'm I've got the edge on him. Um, but we gotta stop looking at these older seasoned running backs and negating the upside that the younger running backs have. Um, when we were, you know, so mentioning that people were very skeptical around the true upside of HN because of the presence of Raheem Mostert, because of Jeff Wilson was going to come off IR, all of that worry, um, it made you really miss out on the opportunity and just the vision of what A-Chan could be. And that's what I want to emphasize here with Keaton Mitchell. Yes, Gus Edwards is the goal line back here. Yeah, Justice Hill, um, in my opinion, I I don't think it's really a leap for Keaton Mitchell to surpass Justice Hill. Um, But Justice Hill probably will, you know, still continue to get his receiving work that he's got. It's not a lot, but it's a little bit. He'll get a little something. But Keaton Mitchell appears to be the type of player where you can get those five to 10 carries in a game and you can have an RB1 type of week because he's got the explosive capabilities to get there. You don't have to be the guy that they're putting in at the goal line because you can get there from the 20. You can get there from the 10. It's the same kind of concept here. And that's what I want to kind of harp on when we're thinking about the true upside that lies within this Ravens backfield. We're not, you know, panicking over Gus Edwards or anything. Although if you could sell him for good value, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but I don't think that you can. So that's not the direction that I would lean, but we can lean into Keaton Mitchell. Are we rolling him out to starting lineups this week? No, we are not doing that because this is not the ideal matchup to do so. But we're having him on our bench and we're looking for those brighter days. And we're going to use this and kind of gauge and see if does he have that true aggressive level of upside of being the type of player that can explode off of a limited amount of carries. If he can just get 10, I think that's enough to justify him and his positioning. It's also very important to note that those 13 carries that Justice Hill got, a lot of those were garbage time. Like... There were a lot of people that were saying, well, you know, Keaton Mitchell, it was garbage time. The, you know, game was out of hand. No. (laughs) Keaton Mitchell was not the garbage time back. Keaton Mitchell was fairly involved um, in general. The bulk of Justice Hill's carries, (laughs) he he was the one in that fourth quarter that was really getting the run back there. So in my opinion, when I look at this, this could already be the 1A, 1B situation with Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell. So just keep that in mind as you are moving forward. Good little nuggets to have. Um, Aside from that, in the Ravens offense, as always, you know, uh, Odell had a good game, although I was was told that that might have been like his, you know, a birthday game or something. But um, Rashad Bateman, a little bit of production. Underwhelming from Zay Flowers. Very disappointing. Uh, I think it might have just been the flow of the game, maybe the the way that the Seattle secondary was playing as well, because we do have to remember, although Baltimore did obliterate the Seahawks, they are a good defense, and they are, they're an excellent secondary as well. They really pulled themselves together over the past month plus from 
when they were dealing with a lot of injuries earlier in the season, key significant players out. This was just kind of a weird blip here. And maybe Zay Flowers was just the only one that they were able to clamp down and lock down. So you can kind of hold on to that and hope that, that might have been the case there. Excellent game for Mark Andrews as always. But as a whole, there's just so much promise within this Baltimore Ravens offense. I see them gelling. I think we're going to continue to see strong production throughout the season. We've got good lineups as well where they'll be facing defenses that can keep the game a bit more competitive and offenses that can actually keep up with them. So they're a team to look out for. Keep your eye on to see where all of this heads because I truly believe that they have Super Bowl winning qualities here. But before we move on from the Ravens and go on to our next topic, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you could 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. Shameless plug, or maybe shameful plug. I I do, so speaking of our sponsors, I do a video with um, 10 picks every single week for underdogs specifically. You can find it on my Twitter, dropping like Friday or Saturday-ish. So <laughs> if you want some underdog pick recommendations for our sponsor, I got you covered on that. So be sure to follow me on Twitter and check that out. I've got those for you. 10 last week, again, it might, like, is it? Is it shameful plugging? I don't know. This is my podcast, theoretically, right? Is that shameful plugging? I don't know. Um, last week, my underdog picks, 10. I was 8-2. and two. So, let's go. <laughs> Mac, The two that sold me, um, Mac Jones. Mac Jones passing yards sold me. He was like two yards away. Two yards, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, why? Um, we're not going to talk about Mac Jones. We're talking about happy things. Um <laughs> And the other was the Mario Douglas um, touchdown pick for one of the scorcher picks. So that was a bit riskier. So, you know, those can go either way. But be sure to um, follow me for underdog picks and um, sign up for underdog as well. And I got you covered on the picks. All right. 
Moving on to our next topic here. Uh, I want to talk about quarterbacks here. Um, this is an exciting week. We have got quarterbacks in, I mean, just new quarterbacks all over the place, officially all over the place, right? Because we saw some last week, but this is the official changeover for multiple teams. So we've got Kyler Murray getting to start this week. I am so excited. I'm so excited for the return of Kyler Murray. We've got James Conner set to return as well. It is going to be so interesting to see how this Arizona offense shakes out. People have been so skeptical around the Arizona offense. The number of people <clears throat> that I'm, I mean, I you can't even call anyone out because so many people said it as well. Um, that really didn't think that Kyler Murray was going to play at all, that thought that this was going to be Arizona sitting in and whatnot. I was not on that side. I was very much so, no, Kyler Murray is coming back um, around this time frame as well. Sometime after week eight, we were going to see him because people don't understand the incentive that he has to play and play well. Kyler Murray knows this is a bad team. Kyler Murray knows this is the team that is tracking and can trend towards um, <clears throat> being able to uh, <laughs> contend for that number one overall pick. So when you look at it that way, this is a man coming back fighting for his job, theoretically. He doesn't want to get replaced. He doesn't want to get traded. He needs to come back and perform well as a whole. And I love the weapons that he has in this offense. I'm a big Marquise Brown stan. We saw last year where at the beginning of the season, and this is why I've been very pro Marquise Brown. Like, lately, Speaking of trades, like uh, none of our questions are around Marquise Brown, but if you can make a last minute change for Marquise Brown right now, do it now. Because when we saw Marquise Brown and – um, Kyler Murray together. And this was specifically in that weeks one through six time frame where DeAndre Hopkins was suspended last year. And Kyler Murray, um, his wide receiver one was Marquise Brown with DeAndre Hopkins out. Kyler Murray um, or Marquise Brown was like a wide receiver, was wide receiver five overall, like during that time period in PPR. Absolutely incredible. The connection is there between those guys. The upside is there. And we know, we know that over short periods of time, portions of the season, Marquise Brown can give you extreme upside, extreme upside, easy wide receiver one productivity. So do not knock in uh, discount the return of Kyler Murray. Maybe, you know, temper expectations in this first start, because again, it's, it's a first start. And at least they did kind of hold him out to the last minute of when they had to activate him to give him time to really acclimate back working with the receivers and whatnot, get his legs underneath them. But considering the, how do I phrase this? Considering the underwhelming nature of quarterbacks this season, um, it's very possible here that we've got a situation where we're going to have Kyler Murray be a low-end QB1 in this first game back. And it's not a ringing endorsement of Kyler Murray as much as it is a understanding of the fact that <laughs> an understanding of the fact that quarterback is so down this year to the point where we've got a guy like Sam Howell that's a clear top back. So, or a clear top quarterback. So when we're looking at that, 
it's possible that we could see a superior performance than we would really be expecting here from Kyler Murray in this first start back. So uh, if you have to start him, if you're in dire situation, I don't hate it. I really don't. It's not a bad situation. It's not a bad matchup. Um, and considering the shakiness of quarterbacks that we've got, just keep that in mind. We've also got Josh Dobbs and his official start with Minnesota. His first official start coming off of that, the storybook game that we talked about earlier in the show. We've also got Will Levis named as the permanent starter. That one excites me here. You guys know I did the whole like mayo and coffee thing. Um, I'm just happy to see Tennessee move on to the future. You don't come in and make that level of impact immediately. He, in the first performance, just looks so much more electric than Ryan Tannehill. So this was inevitable. I'm glad we've got it. Uh, don't overlook the potential of Will Levis in this matchup as well. Because, again, we are talking about a situation where um, quarterbacks not very deep right now. Will Levis is an excellent matchup. And he's a very usable option this week if you have to do it. Um, though we've got the quarterback situation with the Giants, but we're just going to kind of skip over that because um, although we did get <laughs> we did get Tommy DeVito um, as the starting quarterback, you just got to avoid that. There's not a pass catcher that you can lean on, unfortunately, in this matchup. It's not a good situation. Um, I'm going to do some injury stuff, but um, before we move on. Um, and we'll do the injuries kind of quick here because I'm going to make sure that we save time for <clears throat> save time for the trade questions. But before we move on, a Saturday night, make sure that you are checking out the Dominator on the Player Profiler YouTube and Facebook only. Light up questions answered with Billy Musio and Bradley Stalter. The show, um, it runs at 9 p.m. EST, so make sure that you don't miss that. Billy has, like, literally finished, and I just, like, want to emphasize this. And it's perfect because I literally just got off of doing a show with Billy specifically around rankings. Um, you want your start sick questions answered by Billy. He is a prolific ranker. He finished first overall in the Fantasy Pros ranking competition. That is not easy. That's not easy at all. I had I had a pretty good week here in my rankings, but not first overall week here. That is outstanding. And Bradley is also very high up this season and a top-notch ranker as well. So make sure that you are checking out the Dominator. Start sit questions can be put in the chat before the show airs. So keep that in mind so you can get in there early. It is always good. Like if you're just in general with any start sit show. Get your questions in there ASAP because when shows go live and the you know you're talking to these guys that are excellent, excellent rankers, the questions come in quick and you want to make sure that you get your stuff in there early. So jump in early, put your questions in the chat so that you can get them answered, make sure that they're not missed. Um, yeah, absolutely. And another one that I want to talk about as well, uh, Sunday at 12 p.m. EST, on the player profiler YouTube channel, Twitter, and Facebook. There was another start sit stream, live start sit stream. There's nothing, there was no better way to kick off your Sunday morning than getting your start sit questions answered live. 
And it's a great mix of player profiler content creators throughout the season. So there's always somebody fresh. This past week, there was Maddie Kiwum and Matt Babich. Um, they were on answering your questions. So again, start sit shows. Make sure that you are subscribed to the player profiler YouTube channel. The live button will pop up as it always does, right? <laughs> because player profiler is constantly putting out shows, live shows, videos, YouTube shorts, all that good stuff. So you want to make sure that you are subscribed and even getting notifications as well. It helps to turn on those notifications because I know I go crazy when I miss um, my favorite, like, you know, have, like I'm, I'm like you guys, right. We're, we're not that different, right? Like I have shows that I want to watch on YouTube and then I am sitting there. I'm like, okay, it's at 10 AM. Okay. I'll come back and, you know, open up my phone then. And then I come back to my phone and it's like 10 20 and I've already missed like the start of the show. You hate that. So put on the notifications so you don't miss the start of these shows. Just recommendation for me as someone who literally always falls victim to missing the start of shows that I want to watch. All right. Now that we've got that covered, <clears throat> we're going to dive into um, <clears throat> injury news here. Oh man. We talked about Daniel Jones. Um, again, we've got Tommy DeVito that's starting. Uh, it's not a good situation. Matt Lombarkley was, was signed from the practice squad. So he'll be active. And honestly, it's possible that you might see um, Matt Barkley play at some point in the game. Just because Tommy DeVito is getting the start doesn't mean that Barkley won't be in there at some point. Um, we saw it last week with, um, you know, Dobbs having to come in because of an injury situation to Darren Hall. So just keep that in mind. But, I mean, just as a whole, there's no true direction that you want to go with here. We did see some... A little mild uptick in production from uh, Wandell Robinson last week. You know, we could see this offense try to teeter towards giving these young players more opportunities. Um, Darius Slayton was still fairly involved, but um, Jalen Hyatt, Wandell Robinson, just kind of keep your eye from a dynasty perspective on them. Not from a not from a real redraft perspective. We're not looking at that from redraft, but from a dynasty perspective, keep that on your radar just to see how those players are developing and what investments that we can make in them. Um, Saquon is the only guy that we can start in this offense. And um, they know that, you know, defenses know they're going to run the ball, unfortunately. So Saquon will get the volume. It's just a matter of how productive he can be running through stacked boxes. Unfortunately, it's not a good situation. I just feel bad for the giants as a whole. We've got, this one is not relevant to our starts this week. Uh, uh, but we've got Matt Stafford that is still dealing with a thumb injury. We did have Carson Wentz signed. Um, I am hoping that's not a sign that we've got um, some potential complications for Matt Stafford. And this is more of a Brett Rippon performing so poorly that they had to go get somebody just in case. But we're crossing our fingers that um, Matt Stafford is is feeling okay. We've also got Justin Fields dealing with the thumb injury. He is not expected to play this week. Um, we should get Tyson Bagent uh, back in at quarterback. He had some struggles last week, so um, yeah, fire or we've got you know fire up your defenses playing Chicago um, this week. We've got Carolina, so if you need to, Carolina's defense has been on the struggle bus, but if you need to go the direction of a streaming option. Carolina might not be the worst option for you to look at. 
Um, we've also got the return of Khalil Herbert. I'm talking about quarterbacks, but we're just let's just jump on ahead to the running back there since we're talking about the Bears. We've got Khalil Herbert that is set to return this week as well. Has put in multiple full practices. Again, you don't really know um, the level to which um, what kind of workload he'll get. You know, just kind of pay attention. You know, on Twitter, beat reporters, your favorite fantasy analysts, uh, following them. Uh, seeing if we can get any kind of tip off in terms of the workload that we could get there from Khalil Herbert. Cause it is a good matchup here. Um, this game is going to tell us a lot, even if Khalil Herbert is kind of on a limited snap count basis, it's going to tell us a lot about Foreman and Roshan Johnson. Um, we'll see what kind cause we saw Johnson kind of fall back behind Foreman, um, at the end of last week and for at the um at um in the game last week unfortunately so just kind of keep our eye on that one and see monitor this situation we're not feeling confident in these guys as starts but it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out in terms of how this backfield looks um we've also got unfortunately cam acres lost the cam acres man it just there's these running backs, right? J.K. Dobbins. There's these running backs, unfortunately, that just can't catch a break. Cam Akers is one of them. Another Achilles. It's going to be another bat. He came back quickly um, from the last Achilles injuries, maybe too quickly. Um, but, I, you know, he won't return this season. So, unfortunately, this is just terrible and we wish him the best. Um, other than that, man, we don't have a lot of running back injuries. I told you this was a positive experience here that we got, um, in terms of injuries, nothing like mind shattering from our running back. So that was good. Uh, wide receivers. We've got Josh Downs that was still, you know, dealing with this knee injury. Um, <sighs> you know, it's, it's, and that's a shame. We'll need to monitor that one. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really a shame because he was seeing, Strong volume through the air, but it just kind of emphasizes Michael Pittman Jr., who is mm, one of my, you know, clear admitted, I was going to say shameful, but I'm not shameful about it. Um, Michael Pittman Stan and just tired of people underestimating him, um, the value that he has, um, excellent trade target, um, true, true wide receiver one upside true top 12 upside just go look at the statistics the double digit uh targets i mean he's just he is that dude so just you know don't knock him trade for him um we've also got christian watson dealing with an injury yet again um it was a variety of injuries the concussion apparently is not an issue um there's still like a chest injury going on um it was a hard hit but he just can't get right he can never get right unfortunately and stay right um, and then obviously KJ Osborne is one that is well, the concussion took a very tough hit there. Kind of scary, but, um, doing okay. But again, concussion, unfortunately, and then tight end, the big injury that we had here was Dallas Goddard. This is key again, because not only, you know, obviously you were starting Dallas Goddard. So now you've got to move on to another, um, tight end. And if you've got a short bench, I have a league where I had to drop him, um, broken forearm. Uh, we don't know exactly how long he will be out. It's tough to imagine that it's going to be anytime within three weeks um, so or within four weeks. So when you're looking at him, if you have to make that decision to make that drop in a league with a shallow league, with a shallow bench, I had to do it in a league. I had to do it and move on. So just 
you know, go ahead and bite the bullet and do it if you have to, unfortunately. In deeper leagues, you got to hold on, obviously. Um, in dynasty leagues, maybe you look to make a trade to somebody if you're a contender and you need to get somebody that you can utilize right now. Um, Devonta Smith, though. Devonta Smith stock uh, from a trade perspective, that's someone who I absolutely love, 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 love. Um, if you can trade for him, do it right now before we get um, his return from the bye week because Philadelphia is on the bye week. And so that's what kind of adds to this little um, interesting aspect of being able to trade for him and see what kind of value that you can get because maybe the fantasy manager in your league that has Devonta Smith and has probably been struggling because of Devonta Smith, right? Um, <laughs> maybe they're willing to part ways with him a little bit cheaper than they should, because we know that the upside in this offense for Devonta Smith is there when Dallas Goddard is out. That was the true catalyst last year for the back half surge that um, Devonta Smith had last season it was Dallas Goddard going down with that injury. And then Devonta Smith suddenly transformed into this high value asset. So I don't see any reason why that does not repeat this year. So keep that in mind, someone that you need to try to target. If you can, the upside could be huge. He was a top 10 receiver in the absence of Dallas Goddard last year um, and continued to roll on and retain that role throughout the remainder of the season. I think there were just two games, um, two, maybe three games left when Dallas Goddard returned on the schedule. So from that perspective, he is a guy that you absolutely need to look at and target. All right. <clears throat> we are going to jump um, transition from those trade recommendations and jump into some trade questions. Trade question number one, would you trade CJ Stroud and Dynasty giving up fields? A first and second round picks in 2025 and 2026. This is a great question. And I feel like because obviously, you know, when we look at those 2025s and 2026s, you know, it's not always the easiest to try and project what those are going to be. Um, you, you think like, okay, I'm going to be a strong contender at, at that time period. And it's going to be a late, uh, it's going to be a late 2025 first. So, you know, I think this is worth it. Be very careful of how you, value those future first and assuming they're going to be late first because I know we have all fallen into the pitfalls where you've got a contender and it's a legit contender and injuries go crazy things go awry something happens and all of a sudden your legit contender is struggling and that that 2025 first that you traded away it turns out being like the 103 so just like just kind of don't make the automatic assumption that it's going to be a late first so when you're looking at it from that perspective fields first Second, it feels like a little bit much to give up for CJ Stroud. I mean, yes, you're transitioning to, um, and theoretically, a much safer quarterback in a much safer system in a safer, younger situation. But the problem here is that you get a little bit worried about what is going to happen if Fields does, in fact, retain his job, if they don't move on from him. Or if he does land into a good situation, you're undervaluing Fields in this situation, in my opinion. Trading from Fields to C.J. Stroud shouldn't also involve a first, in my opinion. It feels a bit too much, just a little bit. So I would, I would not make that trade, unfortunately. All right. Next question. 
Isaiah Pacheco versus an early 24 second, probably pick 12 or 13, 10 team super flex league. So just side note, by the way, my favorite dynasty team is a 10 team league. And I love it because I feel like if you're really locked in, if you're super engaged and you're on, if you're on your stuff, right, you can get the edge in terms of how you value picks round by round. So when you're looking at that early, you know, 24 second, potentially being that pick number 12 or pick 13 in a super flex league in a situation where obviously, you know, things change. We obviously <laughs> thinking about 2023, how many times was everyone trade for 2023 first, 2023 first, they're going to be amazing. You got to have them, you got to have them. And lo and behold, things went sideways, right? Um, but not turning out to be too shabby. But I love Isaiah Pacheco. But I would take that early 24 first if it was truly feeling like it was going to be pick 12. You look at it from the perspective of being a late first for Isaiah Pacheco, an undrafted rookie, where the value that you're getting out of these guys, absolutely, like 100%, these undrafted rookies, they're, they're you're getting them for nothing, right, when you draft them, or even if you don't draft them, you pick them up on waivers. The value that you're getting out of them for the output, um, you got to keep that in mind, because we've seen time and time again, where these even, you know, even, oh, sorry, I say undrafted, Isaiah Pacheco was not undrafted, just like what, seventh round, um, these late round rookies, these undrafted rookies, the value that you are getting out of them, it can, the bottom can fall out unexpectedly, it can disappear. Teams can draft a new running back. Teams can find another late round darling that they like. So just be aware that if you can snag a first, essentially, because that is what an early second round in 10 team super flex, if you're feeling confident that it's going to be that like pick number 12, if you're feeling super confident about it, and you can snag that. You're essentially trading a late first for Isaiah Pacheco. Maybe you convince somebody, convince them and say, hey, can you also throw in a third? Maybe you try and squeeze a little bit more out of it. I can see that. See what you can squeeze out of it. But I don't hate this move. Because remember, if we were looking at this past 2023 draft, that pick could have got you, Devin Chan. That pick could have got you, Sam Laporta. So <laughs> keep that in mind that... If you are doing your proper scouting, if you are following players, if you are grabbing those, if you're making those right choices, the value right there can be intense. So I am okay with making that trade. Another trade here that we've got Mahomes and Rice versus Kyler and DK. Oh my gosh, this is a this is a serious trade because it is very even theoretically. You're you know the upside with Mahomes over Kyler, the upside of DK over Rice. Which side do you prefer? I prefer the Mahomes side. I prefer the side with Mahomes and Rice because I feel like once we see Kyler in action, maybe we could feel differently. But I'm answering this question right now before I can see Kyler Murray in action and know what we're truly getting out of him. But I think what it really boils down to is that I, I value long-term and trust the longevity and positioning of Patrick Mahomes above Kyler Murray, even in a down year. And when it comes to Rice or DK, 
I don't think that Rice ultimately has the upside that DK Metcalf has, but Rice will come into his own next year. Mark my words on that one. I am not comparing him to Tyreek Hill. Um, but situationally, we know that rookies don't just even the best of rookies like Tyreek Hill just don't have massive impact as a rookie with the Chiefs. But what we've seen from Rice this year has been incredibly impressive. We are coming off a year where Sky Moore was drafted with literally the exact same draft capital, right? And as as uh, Rasheed Rice. And we are coming off a year where Sky Moore was regularly, regularly a max of 30% of snaps, barely seeing usage. And we've seen, unfortunately, that it just hasn't translated for him this second season. He was even speculated to have an uptick involve, in involvement, be better this year, and it just hasn't happened, unfortunately. Sky Moore just wasn't that dude. But Rasheed Rice... He has made a serious impact. He has become the clear wide receiver one of this Chiefs receiving core. And I understand that doesn't amount to much. When you consider he's doing this as a rookie, you have to take notice of it. He is a red zone target. He's been reliable in the red zone. The connection with Patrick Mahomes, that's real. That's real. You have to keep that in mind. And I think that while Rice may never rise to the level of DK Metcalf, I'm okay with making this trade and taking the Mahomes side for the advantage of Mahomes over Kyler in the hope that Rice can be a top 24 receiver on a regular basis. Now, I do think that DK, this is an excellent time to buy low on DK Metcalf um, because a lot of these problems, in my opinion, Gino is, was a fantastic year last year, but what we're seeing out of Gino this year is not... <laughs> it's not strong production, unfortunately. So with that in mind, DK's value will increase once there is a new quarterback situation. But obviously that's not happening this year. So if you're contending and you want to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes or you're wanting to make that investment for the future, I lean towards the Patrick Mahomes and Rishi Rice side. All right, moving on to another question. We've got a few more here. Um, oh my gosh, I'm running over on time. Um, 10 team, one QB contender, Kyler Murray versus De uh, Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams versus Anthony Richardson in a 2025 first for a contender. Now, this is one QB, by the way. So that does make a significant difference. For a contender, I do prefer the Kyler and Adams side. If you're a contender, I know you can maybe scoot by because uh, you obviously have been scooting by. So this, you know, this person here, they're a contender. They are trying to decide between Kyler Murray and Anthony Richardson. So obviously, you know, they've got a quarterback that they've been starting. So that's not an issue here. They could still make that Anthony Richardson trade and just roll with the quarterback that they have and then have Anthony Richardson in the first for the future. But in my opinion, I still I still lean towards Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams. We talked about Kyler Murray earlier in the show and how I do believe that he'll be a QB1 throughout the remainder of the season because one, the landscape of quarterback in general, and two, he is coming back to showcase why he deserves that spot in Arizona. For a contender, I prefer the Kyler and Adams side. One more trade question. Um, Chris Olave in a 2024 third 
versus Rashad White and a 2024 mid first. The mid does make it interesting, but I still prefer the Olave side there. Um, reasoning for that is, is again, I cannot trust Rashad White's starting job. And I mentioned the later round drafted um, rookie running backs when we were talking about um, later round drafted running backs when we were talking about Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and Rashad White is not a later round draft capital kind of dude, but he's a mid round draft capital kind of dude. He ain't a day one dude. Um, so you kind of keep that in mind that there is no loyalty to him in this offense. We could see him lose his job. It's not like he has been prolific on the ground. He has been fine from a fantasy perspective, but sometimes we got to put the fantasy perspective aside with these running backs and say, what level of commitment does the organization have to you? And I don't think that the Bucks have a strong level of commitment towards him. Maybe, maybe he could improve if the offensive line got upgraded next season, but I don't think the offensive line is the massive issue here with Rashad White. I just think he's not... <sighs> Not that efficient of a runner, unfortunately. I say efficient. I wanted to say talented, but I, I don't. I didn't want to go that route. The production is not there. I would prefer to have Olave in the third, because again, with Olave, and it's less about the third, but with Olave, he is going to come into his own as the wide receiver one in the Saints, and that's going to stick for years. That is solidified. That is their franchise wide receiver one, their target target hog. He will operate that way. We've already seen the, you know, the connection with Derek Carr increase a little bit last week. They're going to pull it together, but even for the long term, I lean in heavily towards Chris Olave being the dude that we expected him to be. And we'll sneak in one more question here. Um, Joe Burrow versus Anthony. This is a big one. Okay. Joe Burrow, singular Joe Burrow by himself. Versus Anthony Richardson, mid to late 2024 first, 2025 second, and Elijah Moore. Um, I don't even, like, like it's, it's the Anthony Richardson side for me. I don't even have to do a deep explanation on that one. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the poor performance of Joe Burrow this year, the underwhelming performance of Joe Burrow this year. It is that while I do believe that the franchise stability does lie with Joe Burrow, um, Anthony Richardson just by far has the higher upside and you want to lean into that. And as we've seen, we talk about injuries to running quarterbacks, but as we've seen injuries happen to any quarterback, you don't have to be a running quarterback for that to happen. So don't discount Anthony Richardson because he got banged up multiple times this year and then, you know, shoulder out for the season. Don't discount him. Um, especially because that was him getting just tackled hard into the ground. That could have happened on a play within the pocket. I can't remember specifically it was in, inside or out the pocket, but that could have happened anywhere. That could have happened to any pocket passer. So we can't ignore that. And when I ultimately am looking between Joe Burrow and Anthony Richardson, the upside being so high, also being able to get a first out of it, a second as well. I mean, I just, I lean into that Anthony Richardson side. That is my preference there. All right, that wraps up the mailbag portion of the show. And that wraps up our show in general. Some closing thoughts, as always. If you have any questions, you can always, 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 always hit me up on Twitter. Tag me. I know sometimes I don't get to it immediately. I'm sorry. I, I really am. Sometimes I get a little bit 
overwhelmed. Um, that said, if I don't answer your question on Twitter again, you can always re-tag me because um, I don't get – that's not going to offend me. If, if, I, if, I'm, if I missed your question, just let me know. Um, so ask me over there and let me know if you want um, – as always, just if you want a question on a mailbag show, I would love that. So tag me and let me know. And if you're watching on the podcast or if you're listening on the podcast version – Please be sure to subscribe. It would be greatly appreciated. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video. Drop me a comment again. Um, drop me your trade questions. I mentioned that earlier in the show. Drop me your trade questions in the comments so I can go back and answer them. Um, and make sure that you are subscribed to Player Profiler as well. Good luck with your fantasy lineups. I hope this week is absolutely wonderful for you. I will catch you next week.